Honestly, this is the hardest thing to do. I don't know how pastors do it. I say it every time. Goodness gracious. While I'm babbling on and prattling on, please pray for me that God's words will come out of my mouth. For you and for me, we all need to learn and grow in God's precious word. Brothers and sisters, this book, I live my life by this book. I live my life by the man who's written about in this book, the man who died for you and died for me. And before you leave this place, I want you to know him as preciously as I know him. He's my saviour and my lord and my friend and my greatest treasure. And I hope he will be yours too. I've already thrown away half of my notes. I've got scribble here like you would not believe. My school teachers would be absolutely shocked looking at it. <laughs> it's an absolute mess. The spilling is atrocious. There's no commas or whatever you call them, punctuation marks. The whole thing is the whole thing is one great big long sentence. So whatever you do, please try and make sense of my ramblings and rabblings. But I actually thought I said to Graham before church, I actually thought this would be easy to prepare. It's been an absolute nightmare. <laughs> so Please, before we begin, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. And I love these people here so much. I am so grateful that you've placed us all here, brothers and sisters in Christ. A family of believers who love you and cherish you more than anything. And we love this little town where you've placed us. And we know, Lord, that we are not here by happenstance or chance or luck. You have placed us here and we are grateful. We are grateful for one another and we are more than grateful for you. And Father, forgive us when we let you down. Thank you, Lord, that we can call you Father. It blows me away that the God of all glory that spoke this earth into existence, that created every beautiful thing that we see, when we look into each other's eyes as a church family, we look and behold the beauty of God's creation in and each, every one of us. You breathe into us, Father God, the very breath of life. And the world we live in that is so eagerly and boldly turning its back on you every day needs you more than ever. It is always desperately needed you. But Father God, we can see Romans 1 coming to life every day. The world is turning the very truth of God into a lie. Father, make us stand bold. Help us to be strong and empowered by your Holy Spirit. Help us to diligently seek after you every day. And as our brother Paul writes in this letter, to contend for the gospel, to fight for the gospel. Father, it is amazing to me that we are so free here, still in this ruptured, sin-broken world, that you allow us to live, in my opinion, the greatest country on earth. I love this place, and I know you do too. We want to see your Holy Spirit fall down on this place 
and people to turn to Christ in droves. But Lord, when we look at your word, we see you saved by few. In your small, still, little voice, you're always still bringing people to yourself. In the most miraculous way, Lord, you lead us to you. Your word tells us there is none that seek after God. That all have sinned. All, every single one of us. There is no such thing as a seeker-sensitive movement. We do not seek after you. You lead us to yourself. And by obedient, diligent, willing sons and daughters of Christ that go out and share the gospel with people where that little seed of your precious word is planted in a soul that needs you desperately, you do the drawing. How that works is none of our business. Father, you just want us to be obedient and to see you work. Lord God, glorify your name in this place, we pray today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, there are some wonderful orators in the world, and I'm actually quite a fan of Barack Obama when he speaks. He is a wonderful orator. He speaks beautifully and beautifully well. It's very poetic. But, in my opinion, it's full of empty stuff, substance and there's nothing in it. It's all froth and bubble, sounds wonderful, but there's nothing much in it. What I say to you today, if I quote a verse to you or I read a verse from the word of God, just listen to that because it's the only thing that's proper, right and true. God's word is inspired by him. It will not return to him void. It is powerful. It will cut you asunder. The word of God tells you it will cut you to your very bones and marrow. How amazing is that? What comes out of my mouth are my words, but my heart for you is for you to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that I have, that Paul says to the people at Colossae, the people he has not even met, his love and compassion for those is self-evident in this letter. And my hope and prayer for everyone I meet, saved and unsaved, is that they see the Lord Jesus in me and not the Wally in me. It's the best name ever, because I can be a Wall, but most of the time I'm a big Wally. Seriously. I love you too. <laughs> Righto, here we go. I might get lost. I've got a jumble of notes, but I'll try and be as fluid as I can. So, buckle in, let's go. Can't even read my own writing. <laughs> Paul tells the church at Colossae how hard he is contending for them fighting for them in other words even with those people that he hadn't met wanting them to be encouraged and united in love brothers and sisters that is my prayer also for you my friends my brothers and sisters my family here at Wingham Baptist Church it's a pleasure 
And it's a gift of God's grace for me to be able to stand up here and talk to you as my family. I do count it as as such a privilege. And it's not my thing. I'd much rather just sit down and chat to someone face to face. This is not a natural thing for me to do. But I do nonetheless enjoy trying to expound just a little bit of the explosive joy in me to you. I enjoy sharing the gospel with those who have not yet, or are not yet my family, and every time I'm talking to someone who doesn't know the Lord, my head is racing, my heart is pumping, that one day I will see a new baby born in Christ, and I hope and pray you do that too. For those family members that we know and love who don't know Christ, for our very neighbours who live next door to us who don't know Christ, who are going to a lost eternity in a real place called hell and they will be there forever and ever and ever with no escape of hope ever because, what, I didn't share the Lord? They didn't hear someone share the gospel with them? If you've ever seen anyone drowning and you've had a lifeline to throw to them, what kind of a person would you be if you just walked away? God has saved you and me by his precious grace and you and I, none of us deserve it at all, do we? That should be a resounding no. No, we don't. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. This world is full of sinners, but Jesus shed his precious blood for us sinners. God's word tells us even yet while we were yet his enemies, Jesus Christ died for us. How amazing is that? Every day I cannot believe I wake up every day and God's blessed me with a new day that I don't deserve, that you don't deserve. And that we walk out feeling we're entitled to enjoy the privilege of the very breath that we breathe when we don't. If we're not in the end time days right now, and I've heard this for 50 years, (laughs) it's a lot closer now than it was 50 years ago, yes? And it's a lot closer now than it was when Paul wrote this letter. If you can see in this letter the urgency that Paul has for this precious family of believers in Christ at Colossae, it just sit down and read this book and you can see the supremacy of Christ in this book. Christ first, Jesus first, and Paul's love for this family when he learned, knew and understood that there were people infiltrating their way into this church undermining the very gospel of grace. Brothers and sisters, please don't think I'm trying to say that there is someone within our midst that may be one of these folk that Paul was addressing in this letter. The people that had an ascetic point of view, the people that were angel worshipping, the people that were having prophetic visions, etc., or somehow or another they felt they had some extra special blessing from the Lord. And we see that in the world today in the rise of a new apostolic reformation movement, the so-called TV evangelists that wear their Gucci and Armani suits and fly around in their $50 million jets that belittle the very congregations that they stand in front every day and they make them people think 
that they have some source of a special blessing from the Lord, that they receive some kind of a special message from God above, and because they receive it, the congregation, as in you, are lesser because you haven't received this special blessing. It happens more today than ever. Creflo Dollar, <laughs> what a brilliant name for a TV evangelist. A couple of years ago now, so this is an old story, but he is still up to his tricks. Spoke to his congregation, which is massive by the way, telling them he needed $53 million for a new aeroplane. He already had four. I'm serious. He already had four. Guess what? The money came. He bought another plane. That's one instant. And folks, some people might say, oh no, you shouldn't name someone. Yes, we should. If they're profaning the name of my Saviour and my Lord, lock me up if that's illegal. Jesus is Lord. I am God and there is none else, he says. Yes, we are not doormats and we are not always to passively lie down and not stand up in defence of our Lord. He doesn't need our help. He needs our obedience. <clears throat> now, in the same manner that Paul is fighting for these folk in this passage... I want you to know, and I know we're looking for a pastor right now, so please don't think I'm trying to put myself up as some sort of an application for the role that's available. I've not made it any secret. I'd love to do it. I'm not very good at it. But I also love serving you people. If you people want me to clean the toilets every day, that's what I'll do, because I love you. I really do. I have nothing else in this world other than my Lord and Saviour and you. And neither do we. Some of you have been blessed with worldly wealth and God bless you for that. That's great. Praise the Lord. Some of you have been blessed with beautiful children and a wonderful family. That me, through my own foolishness, have lost. That's another story. But God is great. He's restored me into a family sitting here all in front of me right now. You are my brothers and sisters. You are my replacement family. And one day when we all get to glory, goodness me, we're all going to be part of a huge family, are we not? I pray for you all daily. And I will contend for you, as Paul does, daily. And I will be here for you all daily in whatsoever capacity I can manage. Paul in this letter is addressing to the church at Colossae an issue where infiltrators had imposed themselves amongst the congregation, pushing ungodly laws. Paul calls them ordinances. 
pushing them upon these people, burdening them with laws that have no place in the Church of Christ. Laws, let me say, that have been nullified on the cross. My last message to you, brothers and sisters, I said to you, put Jesus Christ as supreme. And in this book of Colossians, you can see the preeminence of Christ everywhere. If you do this first, you will be able to sniff out the wolves that creep themselves in to the churches. In the book of Jude, it talks about wolves creeping in unawares. I don't know if you've ever really sat down and studied and looked at a wolf <laughs> where most of the little doggies that we have, like your little puppy dog at home, apparently are bred down from. Uh, when you look at a chihuahua and a wolf, it's hard to work out how did that come to be, but honestly, us as human beings have manipulated God's creation beyond measure when you look at it and think of it that way. But would you ever be willing to walk up to a wilder wolf and go, hello, nice doggy, would you? I just want you to know, brothers and sisters, the danger is not that the wolves are in amongst us. Very often, and I have seen this happen unfortunately, the danger is when the wolf is found out. I have seen two churches totally destroyed by people walking in wanting to have their own way and not God's way. I have seen one man who I deeply respected after a meeting with this gentleman, pass away a week later with a massive coronary when he was creating dissent in the church I was a deacon at in Morissette. And if you go to Morissette now, the split that happened in that church has blossomed into two beautiful congregations that have sorted out the differences that have been through the battles, that still bear the battle scars, but are going on for Christ. God wins the battle. God does the fighting. We just need to be obedient. Told you I'd get lost. Please bear with me. I'm almost there. Okay, in verse 18 of our study, Paul says that these folk were infiltrating the church at Colossae and they were vain and puffed up in their fleshly minds, or we would say in Australian vernacular, empty headed. My friends, the rise of an apostate church in the world today 
which you can see evidently everywhere. You don't need me to direct you where to go. Click online. These ungodly places pop up everywhere. And some of their pastors you know by name very well. But if a church portrays itself as the answer to mankind's greatest need, which is what? Mankind's greatest need is Jesus Christ. Not a wealthy church with a $53 million jet, let alone four of them to fly around in. People who puff themselves up and tell you that they have a new message from the Lord, some sort of a new revelation from God himself, or they've been specifically gifted by God with a new revelation. These people are deceivers, my friends. You and I, each and every one of us, from the very moment we've come to know the Lord as our saviour and our precious king and friend, his Holy Spirit indwells us. You do not need a theology degree to know that someone is purveying themselves as a son or a daughter of Christ when they are not. I have sat down with folk without even speaking a word and have known from a very instant that that person is a Christian. I don't have any special revelation from the Lord. I just have the Holy Spirit. And I just put it down to the fact that the very... The little story of when Mary goes to meet Elizabeth and the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumps up and down inside her because, I don't know, maybe it perceived that the Saviour was growing in Mary's womb too. Do you find that not incredible? I do. And yes, I know John the Baptist was an extremely unique individual let alone our Saviour and our Lord. But just to see from that one little instant how the Holy Spirit can work between two human women, both carrying unique individuals, one of them carrying our Saviour and our Lord, how the Holy Spirit worked in the physicality, the very biology of those two women. It's happened to me on many occasions where I've spoken to people and I know that, this, that the enemy is working in that person's heart and it is tough. I have on many occasions as a young man been involved in karate tournaments, judo, judo tournaments and boxing matches and it's a lot scarier standing in front of someone who opposes God Almighty than it is opposing someone who's going to plant one on my nose. <laughs> but you and I, brothers and sisters, we need to know the very word of God. Like I said to you at the beginning, I base my life, my very every day, on what is written in this book and the person that this book is about. These people at Colossae were adding to God's precious word. They were adding to his law, just in the same way that the Pharisees did in Jesus' day, whom Jesus had the greatest criticism for. 
the religious leaders of the day, wearing their fancy clothes, with their fancy rituals and their powerful positions as well, I must say, amongst the people, lording it over the normal folk, if you like, because they were perceived to be holier or had some type of special blessing. The gospel of Christ needs no addition to it. It needs no beguiling tongue or a deceiver puffed up with his or or her own self-importance. Paul says in verse 18, he he mentions a phrase, in my King James it says, a voluntary humility. Now, I've seen this in churches and I hear it a lot, and sometimes it's genuine, (laughs) but I tell you what, a lot of the time it's not. Where you hear phrases such as, oh yes, I just want to serve the Lord, Um, I'm not seeking after position, I'm just here to help. This is a favourite one of me, this old chestnut. God has told me, and as much as I love my mum, she used to say this to me a lot, (laughs) and my reply to her would be, well, you ain't told me nothing, Mum. <laughs> well, that might be a little bit irre- irreverent. I'm not trying to be irreverent at all. God does speak to us today. He speaks to us through, in, through and in each other in our experiences of how we've grown in the Lord and he speaks to us through this book. If you want to hear God speak to you out loud, then grab this book, stand in a corner somewhere and read it out loud. There are videos on YouTube of people claiming that they have met the risen Jesus. Well, I'm still here, so that can't be right. He hasn't come back yet. I am a premillennial believer in Christ, and if I am not in glory right now, and I don't think I am, you're beautiful people and I love to be with you, but I'm not with my Lord yet. He hasn't come back yet. So some twat who's made himself a video who claims to say that he's met the risen Lord is a liar. And he's making God a liar. He is turning the truth of God into a lie. Romans 1. Romans 1.22. Professing themselves to be wise, they make themselves fools. Is that not the world we're living in today? And we're pushed into a corner by the world we live in with these stupid, ridiculous, wokey laws. With the LGBT, what are we going to call ourselves today, group? God made Adam and Eve. That is it. Male and female, nothing else. There is not a third gender. Lock me up. If that's illegal, lock me up. Then I will preach to the person they lock me up with. Do not be afraid to stand up on the word of God. Do not be afraid to say, Jesus is Lord and there is none else. There is only one God. There is only one Father eternal. His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, died for this world, shed his blood with it, rose again on the third day and he is coming back and he has not come back yet. Because if he's not come back yet, oh, why am I here? The rapture will take us away. We will all caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Amen. And if you disagree with me on that, come and have a little chat with me afterwards. Please, with the greatest of respect, 
with the greatest of respect. I'm not a theologian, I'm just an ordinary guy who loves my Lord. I'm just your brother in Christ and please, I humbly ask and beg your forgiveness if I upset you or I have detracted you from God's precious word in any way. And if you do feel I am in error, I really do humbly mean this. Come and have a chat with me. I want to learn all there is to learn about my Lord. And I also want to learn if I'm wrong. None of us are right, are we? Are we all perfect? Certainly not. The issue of this pharisaical behaviour is still with us today. In fact, I would go as far as to say that it's worse now than ever. People who portray themselves in this beguiling manner, the words that Paul uses, they show themselves in a holier-than-thou light, giving the perception that they have been given some form of a unique blessing from God, that they alone are the ones with this special gift. They are the learned ones. They are the elitely holy well, if that's true, then us lesser ones, what, are we going, what, what do we do with that? That's why they do it. They use it in an authoritarian way to belittle the congregations that they have, holding over them a so-called puffed-up knowledge. That's why Paul uses the word puffed up. Vain, even. Empty. There is nothing to it. Like I was mentioning Barack Obama, a lot of his conversations and chats and speeches, which he receives substantial amounts of money for, is empty froth and bubble. Like the modern poets of today. Beautiful, wonderful, flowery, flowing words that really mean nothing. If you really want to see, hear and take into your very soul Words that will change your life. Read this book. My last job was in a book distribution warehouse, the largest distribution warehouse in Australia, in the Southern Hemisphere nonetheless. And we had a section that supplied most of the universities in Australia and the, and the South Pacific. I fought for months with my employers to take all of the Bibles out of the section where religious books were and to have an exclusive section for the Bible alone. I could not work or walk down those aisles and see the Quran next door to my God's precious word. With Sanskrit literature on the same shelves even. I know that might seem like a little thing. Brothers and sisters, this book is not a little thing. It is alive. So in a moment of petulant anger, and I know that might sound surprising to you, I asked my boss if he would meet me in the warehouse one day for a little chat. And we looked out at the vast array of the thousands upon thousands of books that were held in that warehouse. And I said to him, there is only one part of this warehouse that's actually alive. What are you talking about, Wal? 
talking a lot of rubbish again, mate, which was not exactly the words he used. I said, well, come with me and I'll show you. So off we go, and I did think that he was probably knowing what I would say once we walked down to the education department, and I showed him the area where we had moved. We had moved all of the Bibles all into one area exclusively on their own, with the approval of management. And I said, there you go, Rob. This is the only part of this warehouse that is alive. I could almost feel it walking down here when I do get an order, but I have to go down here and pick these books. It is just awesome. God's book is alive, is it not? And he looked at me and went, I don't know what you're talking about, well. That's the tragedy of it all. He didn't know. He didn't know, and I hadn't yet had the opportunity to really sit down and talk with him about the Lord Jesus. His name is Rod Mitch, Rob Mitchell. He's a dear friend. Still doesn't know the Lord. When I finished work there after two massive accidents, his father-in-law was killed in a motorcycle accident and the first person he rang was me. It was tough conversation and we met on a few occasions and I was able outside of the workplace to share with him the gospel. And I pray for him as often as I think about him, not every day I must confess. But one day I hope and pray I will see that man in glory. And I hope and pray brothers and sisters that you have the same experiences with people that you meet. You are not always going to be able to share the gospel. Sometimes we have to wait for the unction of the Holy Spirit within our hearts to know and be wise when's the right time to speak and I know you all know this would be hard for me when to shut up and to just go home and pray. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, that's all we can do. Brothers and sisters, always be aware of anyone who would lead you astray with enticing words, with flowery language. This type of behaviour is not new. It is not new at all. It was around in Paul's day and it is increasing in our day. There are plenty of videos of froth and bubblegum and candy covered churches all over the TV and the internet, especially the prosperity gospelers and the rising new apostolic reformation. The ticker box religions the fulfil a list of achievements, faith movements. They all do this. Brothers and sisters, our faith in Christ, our religion, if you wanted to call it that, there is nothing you and I can do. There is not a box to tick. There is not a work of grace to do that will allow you or an I into the kingdom of God. You know why? Because Jesus has done it all. The work of grace was completed at the cross. You, me and everyone you meet just needs to come to the Lord Jesus Christ as a repentant sinner in faith in him alone. That's it. All of the other stuff God does. It's none of our business. How he works in and through his Holy Spirit in you is what he does in you. 
He teaches us through his precious word. He teaches us through each other. You and I need each other more than ever. And without a pastor at the moment, it's, it's not easy. But to see you, my brothers and sisters, grow in willingness to put your hands up, to do tasks that don't get thank you for, cleaning the toilets, putting out the bins, mowing the grass, making the cups of tea, or even going and visit someone who is not well. You may not ever get a thank you from anyone. So, right now, from me to you, thank you so much for all those little things you do that you might not ever be thankful for or thanked for. But to see my church family willingly put its hand up and say, I'm willing to help, even to help in areas that you never thought you'd be able to help in. Brothers and sisters, if there's something you want to do and there's something that you see needs to be done and you're not quite sure how to do it, come and speak to the deacons. Come and speak to me. Speak to someone who you respect and admire and you feel comfortable talking to and share your idea with them. However small you may think it is, in a family, that's a big thing. To be able to feel comfortable in your own skin, in your church family, to know that you won't be rejected, to know that someone's going to willingly listen to your wonderful idea. And to know that you have such a heart for your church family, you want to see it grow. You want to see it blessed. Praying on for a bit long for something I didn't think I'd only take five minutes on talking about, to be honest. Here we go, I found it. Brothers and sisters, we need each other very, very much. Christ in his wisdom has placed us in this family. All of us are varying gifts, all of us from different walks of life. But all of us need each other to fully function as a family. We need to pray for each other and we need to encourage each other. We need to look out for each other so that each of us can grow. Each of us can grow as a family and each of us can grow individually. But please don't forget, as I said to you in my last message, anything and everything you do, Christ is supreme. Amen? Him first in all things. Without him first in all things, we can't grow. Put him first when you read his word. Talk to him daily. Develop a strong relationship with your saviour and each other. When you do that, when we bind ourselves together in unity as a family, here's a kicker for you. We will easily sniff out the deceivers and the beguilers and the enticers and the wolves who want to creep their way into our family. Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters, they're not here yet. Maybe not. But the very nature of the way how a wolf works in a biblical sense, we may not always see craftily and cunningly these people weave their way in. 
The reason we have deacons, the reason we have pastors, and the reason we have elders is to put a guard around each and every one of us. Your deacons love you. Your leadership team love you. Your pastors, whoever that may be, love you. My brothers and sisters, I love you. I really do. I wish I could wrap my arms around you so much and tell you how much I love you in the Lord Jesus Christ and that I am so grateful that he has placed all of us, every single one of us, however you want to perceive it, great and small, wash those ideas out of your mind. We are all important. Think about this. The greatest price that was ever paid was paid for each and every one of you. That's how precious and how preciously important you are to your Lord. Is that not a praise hallelujah? Yay! Word of warning. Satan will not rest. In the book of Job, where Satan has to address himself before God Almighty, think about it, in the very council chamber of God, Satan is placed there. God says to him, where have you been? What does he say? Do you know? Roaming around the world. That's it. I've been roaming around. And what does the word tell us he does, roaming around? He roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Guess what? My saviour is the Lion of Judah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. <laughs> he might even bear to show his teeth one day to me. But my saviour will defend me and my saviour will defend you. Read his precious word and there are actions for you and I to take. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. Don't be passive in your faith. Act it out spiritually and physically and willfully every day. Establish for yourselves, please I'll plead with you brothers and sisters, make a regular time whenever it may be to try, try and spend a devotional moment with your Lord as a regular habit. It is so important. Read his precious word. Otherwise the only time... God's Holy Spirit will be able to speak to you is when you go to sleep. <laughs> because then you have shut yourself out and then God can get in. Read his word. And in closing, thank you Jesus for who you are. In closing, I just want to close with a verse from Ephesians. Take it to your hearts. Write it on the back of your hands. Tattoo it on your head if you like. Here we go. Oh gee, that was irrelevant, wasn't it? Read this. Ephesians 6, 11 to 18. And I'll close with this and I have nothing more to say other than I love you, God bless you. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers and against rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
but we do it with our Saviour and Lord by our side. God bless you.